It's a very good afternoon and welcome along to the Nile Morning Podcast on this Thursday afternoon. Now, there has been a lot of talk all week about protesters and refugees and asylum seekers and people living in tents and all sorts of, I suppose, mentions of the right wing. Now, it seems in this country, according to politicians, if you object in any shape or form to the amount of asylum seekers and refugees that are coming into Ireland over the last nine months, well, then you must be right wing. There is no doubt there are right wing protesters and those who are extreme, like those individuals who decided to set fire to tents uh, the other night where homeless refugees had been living. And I think it's unfair to basically turn around and brand everybody the same way. I mean, there are concerned citizens because there's a lack of transparency, there's a lack of communication. There's also issues around vetting of individuals coming into the country. People have no problem, and I would like to think most people have no problem with individuals who come from war-torn countries who are coming for a better life, who are coming to Ireland in the dream of having a better life, just like the Irish did many, many years ago. But of course, there has to be checks and balances. And when we see a story in the Irish Times that roughly 80% of people who get off a plane don't have a passport or documentation, but they did when they got on the plane, that's concerning. Because it's concerning because those individuals clearly, from the very outset, are willing to lie to the authorities about who they are. And then we have to try and find out. But are we really finding out? I'm not going to give you, you know small cases to kind of generalise but I did see one horrible case during the week where a man from Zimbabwe who is all over the local Zimbabwe newspapers who's a murderer who killed two people and shot two others is living in Ireland. Now there is a warrant out for his arrest by Interpol and hopefully the Garda Shia Connor can find out exactly who he is and where he is. Maybe they've done it already but that's an example of what can happen when we don't have checks and balances when people don't have identification. At the moment of course the big problem is in Ennis and local protesters, and I did see a picture during the week, and it had a picture of the local protesters who looked like lovely people, and it said, right-wing protesters. And they didn't look like right-wing protesters, they just looked like concerned citizens who'd set up blockades. Now, I want to go to Padder Tobin from AIN2, who joins me on the line. Uh, Padder, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Uh, Padder, you know, it's very difficult to get any politician to talk to me about this, because it's like a poison chalice. They're desperately afraid that they will be called racist, they will be called right-wing, they will be labelled, and nobody seems to want to be able to even object or ask for a level of transparency or a solution to this problem. So what is the solution? Yeah, well, first of all, we believe that people should be able to talk about this issue, that it should not be a taboo issue, that um, it should be a case whereby people can engage respectfully on what is a massively important issue in our country. So first of all, 17% of the people of Ireland uh, currently are foreign-born. Uh, that's a, a, a high number. Uh, it's the seventh highest in the OECD countries. And indeed, in the last five years, that number has grown at twice the rate in Ireland than it has in uh, other OECD countries. So, you know, this is an issue, uh, and all issues should be debatable, and people should be able to discuss it, people should be able to give their views, uh, in relation to it, and we should be able to decide what we sh what the policy should be in the future. Now, we in Aintu have always said that uh, migration should be um, sustainable and manageable. So we do agree with your opening sentences there, that if a person is coming from a war-torn er torn area and there's bombs being dropped on their town, that, you know, we do have a responsibility to give shelter uh, where we can in relation to those people. But we've also said that, you know, where e economic migrants are concerned, 
and we should be able to control the level of economic migrants that are coming into the country. Again, many economic migrants make very important contributions to uh, to our country, but we should be able to control the numbers coming into the country. Because So, so why have if, we lost control? Because when we look at the numbers, and I remember talking on the show on the radio going back about five years ago, and we talked about, you know, the situation was an emergency because we had 6,000 people in direct provision. We now have indirect provision, well, not literally in the centres because they're in hotels, they're in accommodation, they're everywhere. We now have roughly 22,000 people. And on top of that, of course, we have the almost 80,000 Ukrainian refugees who are currently in Ireland. And don't get me wrong, once again, I want to reiterate that all that need our support and are coming from war-torn countries and need our humanitarian help should be getting it. But we have a huge concern about people who are coming, who are taking advantage of the Irish system, who are taking advantage yeah, so of our kindness. So, so, so the problem is, in many ways, the, the traditional medium um, is limiting the level of debate that can happen uh, on this issue. There's no doubt in my mind that the traditional media has, is labelling people uh, unfairly. Um, there, there is a small cohort of people who are <clears throat> far right in this country who are trying no, to drum up. We've we seen that the other night when those tents were burned, of course. In, in exactly. Street. But there's, there's also a large number, the, the great majority of people, I would say, who have legitimate concerns and legitimate questions uh, in relation to, to all of this. Now, I think that this government has been led by the Green Party and the Green Party have an ideological uh, view of this and that view is you know, to make the country as open as possible. That's, that's their ideological view. Mm -hmm. um, and they, I don't think the, the Minister Roger Gorman has any real interest in trying to you know, control the situation. I, so I was going to say, is he failing miserably? He's clearly extremely liberal in his views. And, you know, we do have people on both sides. But unfortunately, if you're on the right side, it's a negative thing. If you're on the left side, it's seen as a positive thing in society. But he's clearly on one side of this debate. And it doesn't seem to matter what happens. He is determined to find accommodation come hell or high water. Even talking about flotillas now, which was something that was condemned in the UK. We're talking about putting people on cargo ships off the coast of Cork or the coast of Dublin or whatever it happens to be. I mean, we're in a desperate state. We're already a, a failed government who have a housing crisis for the last 10 years. We're now adding to that problem in a very short space of time with another 105 or 10,000 people. I mean, it's not a limitless system. So why is there a reluctance yeah. by politicians within the Dáil, and I'm sure you walk within the halls and talk to many from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, who secretly amongst themselves are probably saying we should be capping these numbers. We said this six months ago, but nobody is willing to say the door is closed. Now, Leo did hint at it about a month ago by more or less saying there was no room at the inn, but he's not taking it seriously. He's not saying to Roderick O'Gorman, you need to stop. He's not saying to immigration control, you need to stop letting people in. You need to turn them around, put them back on a plane or whatever it is they came from. Um, but they're not doing it. So why is there a reluctance by Roderick and the government to do this? Yeah, so, so I don't think Roderick is reluctant. Roderick wants this to happen. This is his political project. This is his ideology. Uh, but in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, the TDs, you know, are just not confident enough, not strong enough to be able to use common sense and push back. Now, we in to have been saying that there's a number of things that can be done straight away which would relieve the, the, the pressure. So what we know is at the moment is that there's about 14 or 15,000 people currently in the application process for asylum. We know that process is lasting way too long, so the average wait time is 18 months. But there are people, thousands of people waiting two and three years even one person waiting 14 years for asylum. 
But we do know why that's happening because what happens is when people get rejected, and don't get me wrong, the initial process is too long, but when they do get rejected, they appeal that rejection. And if they get rejected again, sure. they appeal it again. And you've got a court in the four courts yeah. in Dublin with barristers and solicitors making a fortune of free legal aid. So in the first instance, even the first step is, is, is way too long. So we know that in that cohort of about 15,000 people, there are many people who are not asylum seekers, who are economic migrants, but they're in the system. And as a result, the government has to accommodate them. And as a result, that's clogging up the, the situation. So that's the first thing. And we're, we're of the belief that that needs to be shortened to about a three-month process uh, in, in, in its totality. And those who need help get help, and those who don't need help uh, get sent home in that situation. The second issue then is that we have a very open policy in terms of false documentation and no documentation. So as you mentioned earlier, you know, there's a massive amount of people coming into the country with false or no documentation. Now in Ireland, that cohort is bigger than the, the number of people who are going into the Netherlands, even though the Netherlands has a population three times the size of ours. So we are, cons we are considered to be an easier option for that. A soft are we a soft touch? Is In other words, you know, if somebody is coming as an economic migrant to Ireland and being put up in a hotel or being put up in accommodation, are they kind of reaching back home to friends and family and saying, well, look, Ireland is pretty easy. You can come in here. You don't even need a passport. You know, throw it down the toilet in the plane. You'd be grand. I mean, is Ireland a soft yep. touch? And, the, and that other thing as well is, and the politicians are ignoring it from the genuine protesters who are saying, they use the word unvetted men. Now, I don't buy the cliche because they're not all unvetted men. There are women and children who are coming in from places like Ukraine and other countries too. But in saying that, the word unvetted is important because we can't just allow a situation where it takes time to find out who somebody is. And I mentioned that one particular case which struck me during the week of this double murderer. It's all over the Zimbabwean news and their local newspapers that he's living in Ireland. Actually, they mentioned City West. I don't know if he's in City West, but they mentioned that. And he'd killed two people and shot two others. You know, and if that person can get into this country because they've no documentation and can come into this country and invite others into this country, I mean, what chance have we got? Because once they come in, they can just disappear. Yes, yeah, so there's two elements to this. The first element, in my view, is that, uh, believe it or not, a, a PQ that we in AIM2 put in, in, in place just a, a number of weeks ago showed that from 2018 to 2023, nearly 5,000 people had a deportation order given to them. And in the vast majority of those situations, nearly 4,000 uh, cases, nearly 80% of people who received a deportation order simply didn't, um, uh, you know, didn't deport. So um, it's an incredible situation that even after that whole laborious application process that we have, that there is a voluntary deportation system at the end of it. And then again, that's ludicrous as well, because if we have 4,000 people that we're accommodating in some fashion, but then again, that creates uh, uh, pressures in terms of people who really need help. Um, and, and I agree, in, in, in terms of people who are coming into the country who are criminals, uh, it's really, really important that this government does all it can to identify who they are. But how can you identify? Sure how can you do that? And that's not happening. Now, I just will, will make one, one, one brief point. There are people, obviously, in the migration process, the asylum process, who flee without papers because their house is set on fire, bomb land, etc., and they, they don't have documentation. And that is a reality of Absolutely. the real asylum process too. But, but we not, do have to not, the, sure not, the percent, not the percentage that are coming into this country without documentation, no. certainly. And, and the weird thing is, you know, it, it, the government is not even recording properly the numbers of people. It, these are The numbers are actually coming from the airports 
who are recording it. Like, why the Department of Justice doesn't see fit to record this and, and work it out itself is incredible. So, yes, the government is not doing enough in terms of making sure we know who's coming into the country, making sure that people... But is there, is there pressure on the government by NGOs? And I did reach out this morning to the Immigration Council of Ireland, but they I couldn't make anybody available to talk to us. But is there pressure from NGOs to basically have open borders? Because we talked going back 10 years ago, I remember talking to politicians and people before profit, which they weren't called that at the time, they were called something else, solidarity or something else, I can't remember. But anyway, we talked to them, and a lot of them are in favour of open borders. And there are politicians in favour of open borders. And that's essentially what we have at the moment. We do have an open border system because realistically, anybody can come to Ireland. I mean, we do have a visa process, we have immigration control, we have an immigration policy, but it seems to be completely ignored. Any other country in the world, generally speaking, Canada, America, Australia, you arrive with no documentation. You're not getting in, you're getting back on the next plane and you're sent home again. Unless you can prove in some way genuinely you're going back, you know, to somewhere where it's either war-torn or your life is in danger. And then even then, you will be processed probably overnight or checked out overnight or certainly within a few days kept in a holding centre and then returned if you're not telling the truth and we, we spoke to one of the gentlemen going back about three or four years ago on the show who was involved in the process of immigration and it was his job basically to review files of people who had been rejected and he said out of 500 files he said this on RTE on primetime out of 500 files that he had perused over he believed that so I think it was 94% of them were telling lies. In other words, they weren't telling the truth. In other words, they weren't genuine asylum seekers or didn't fit the category of genuine asylum seekers. So we really need to do something. And just in relation to the protests, of course, the protests really started with East Wall over the last few months. And this is where this kind of hard right or extreme right came in. And I'm watching some of those people in East Wall. Let's have a quick look at the people in East Wall. Uh, this is from Gripped Media. The more and people that gets involved, the more aware this will become. And that's what we need. And it's only peaceful protest. All we did last week was walk down to the port and docks, blocked it off in one hour. And that's only the start of it. This could build up bigger. The government really needs to address this. They're the ones that's hiding from all this. They haven't come out and said anything. And that's terrible for the people of this area, just to sneak them in like that in the middle of the night. It's not fair, it's not wrong. In my opinion, the propaganda of this country is that they're only going to publicise what they want to publicise. They, they don't want to see us and be televised and get media coverage on fighting back because it's going to give people the encouragement to fight back as well. And that's not what they want. And if we watch those protests at East Wall, they were generally peaceful. Um, okay, you're always going to get the hard <laughs> right extremists in the middle there shouting and ranting racist material. But generally they were peaceful. They blocked the tunnel, if you remember, on for a few weeks in a row. Um, they're people who are genuinely concerned about their communities and their neighbourhoods and maybe misinformed. Uh, but in saying that, nobody wants to talk to them. Nobody wants to represent them. With the exception of, say, Grip Media and some of the media outlets out there, nobody wants to even report on it. RTE will happily report on a rally for people who agree with asylum seekers and refugees be allowed into the country, but they won't report on the opposite. They'll give it a brief mention. That seems to be the way the media runs. Yeah, like, it, like I've said this to you before, we, we have a real problem with the balance of the media in this country. You know, we in to believe very strongly that, you know, at the heart of democracy is the competition of ideas. Uh, and a functioning democracy would have a left media, it would have a right media, it would have a conservative, it would have a liberal media, and it would have a, a centrist media. But we don't have that uh, in this country. And as a, as a result, 
the prism in which people see things through is very, very much from one perspective. And that's a, a great difficulty there. You know, we've made the argument previously as well that there should have been consultation with all of those communities in relation to what was happening. Um, and, you know, there should also be a community dividend in relation to what's happening in their areas. And secondly, there's, there's an amazing situation is that many of the uh, locations where asylum seekers were located were in working class areas. They weren't in the leafy suburbs of Dublin 4 and Dublin you're, 6. You're, you're not going to see and, them in Balls, Wage or Shrewsbury Road. Are you? I mean, that's not, not going to happen. And this is the hypocrisy of the political establishment because we had TDs from those leafy suburbs condemning working class people for having the goal to actually stand up and protest uh, in relation to these issues. And don't get me wrong, you know, first of all, we stand, we believe the freedom of protest is absolutely sacrosanct within a society. Mm -hmm. I personally would not protest, um, you know, uh, in, in and shout slogans at people who are just no, I, I, and I think we all agree. I mean, standing outside yeah. a hotel saying, you know, get exactly. out, go home is not the I answer either. I, no. I, I don't think that's 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 acceptable. Uh, I don't think I don't think it should be banned, but I just don't. No, think but, it, but it, the it, immigrants. I mean, to be fair to the immigrants, they've taken advantage of a system which is faulty and has loopholes and has problems. So it's not directly their fault. It's the government's fault. Well, I'm, I'm what I'm the finding is, and, and I watched the, the video. Okay, the sorry, government are driving this agenda, the Green Party especially are, are driving this agenda and the unfortunately the establishment media uh, are, are watching this through one particular prism. Um, and, and that's why I, I, I really, really uh, laud the likes of yourself and the likes of GRIPS to be able to give you know, platforms to reasonable people in their own communities to explain what's happening uh, to them. Because you know, if, if you don't give a voice to these people, you know, these people get more frustrated and they actually get pushed into the hands of those who are on the far right, uh, who are nefarious actors in, in all of this. So the media don't actually help the situation by ignoring the voice of one half of this debate. They actually push those people into the hands of... of and that was the point groups. I made on, on radio the other night. When I saw this video of an immigrant in Pierce Street who had been living in a tent and the locals had come over to protest. The immigrant came out, he grabbed an iron bar, he starts swinging it at the locals. The locals beat him up. And I said, you know, this whole situation has been created by bad government policy. I don't blame either of them. Either the protesters, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. They're clearly violent. He's violent as well by swinging a bar at them. They're all wrong in what they're doing. But they've been driven to that by bad government policy, by allowing this, by allowing, you know, 500 or 400 people who have come into this country to live on the streets in tents. I mean, imagine arriving in this country, being allowed into the country and then saying, sorry, we've nowhere for you to stay. Here's a tent and a 25 quid meal voucher off with you now until we find you somewhere. I mean, you can't continue to do that. Now, of course, we've seen the people of County Clare as well now recently. Uh, it's uh, Maguana House Hotel in Inch. This is a hotel which is essentially a dive. It's run down. It's been closed down. It wasn't fit for purpose last year for Ukrainian refugees. Um, I believe it's a kip. The raw sewage in the place is dangerous. It's not even, doesn't even have a fire cert from what we know. We'll be talking to one of the local reporters about that soon. But I mean, and they obviously moved in refugees or asylum seekers into it. The locals are not happy. And the reason they're not happy is it's a small, it's a tiny little place with very small resources, probably one doctor, probably one shop and one, two classrooms in a school or something like that. And then you move in a load of people. I mean, that's just not acceptable. You just can't do that. I know. Well, there's, there's been a massive uh, just competency issue at the heart of this government as well. It's incredible that 85% of the people who pledged rooms in their private homes for Ukrainians, you know, were never activated. You know, um, the government promised these modular homes 
for to be built by October. Here we are in May and nobody's in a modular home. And also the government, you know, I think we're, we're differentiating as well and causing damage here that they give, they suggested that modular homes would be provided for migrants, but wouldn't be provided for people who, who are homeless in Ireland. And I, and I just think if the government are going to provide any service, they have to make sure that that service is delivered equally across society. Because if they differentiate between two groups, they are causing tensions and stresses uh, to arise within the system. In many ways, the, the minister is proving to be the minister for disintegration rather than uh, integration as, as in is uh, his title at the moment. And also you have to remember that the government law themselves for providing all of this accommodation for people, but most of the accommodation they provided is actually through hotels. And hotels, again, are in regional towns, mm -hmm. mostly in the West Coast, and uh, which is, you know, creating major damage to the, the, the economy of those areas because there's so many other businesses that are dependent upon tourists being able to come in to those areas um, for uh, uh, weeks on end during the summer to make their living. It's easy for Roderick O'Gorman and to talk about, you know, people have to do their best. His income is not being damaged, but many thousands of people who live in these towns uh, that depend on tourism, their income is being damaged uh, at the moment. And that consultation issue really frustrates me because, you know, I've seen where the governments have gone in and they've taken a hotel in a particular area, it's created major annoyance amongst the people. And if they had consulted with the people, the people would have given alternative solutions for accommodation for asylum seekers who needed it and not have used the hotel, which obviously created the difficulty Absolutely. in terms of the, Finally, of the tourism sector. Finally, in relation, obviously, you spend a lot of your time in Northern Ireland as well. Ain2 obviously has representatives in Northern Ireland as well, because obviously you're in the whole of Ireland. I mean, we haven't seen the same situation in Northern Ireland, or have we? You would know more about that. Um, we haven't seen this crisis, even though they have a housing crisis there too, but we haven't seen a refugee crisis with refugees sleeping on the tents. I've been there and I am in Northern Ireland quite a lot these days. And when I walk around the streets of Northern Ireland, I don't see homeless refugees on the streets, generally speaking. I generally speaking don't see refugees around. Why are they not having the same problem? No, they're not having the same problem. Now, there are, there are areas uh, with, which, with significant immigrant uh, populations. Uh, there are some refugees coming in uh, to the north. In most occasions, they're being accommodated uh, in, in, in a fairly peaceful you know, uh, manner and an accepted manner. Uh, but I think what's happening is that the, the London government has obviously have a, a different policy. They have sent a, a clear message um, to... Which are going to Rwanda, yes. That's that now, now. There's there's a big debate about the rights and wrongs of that as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but but isn't, isn't that mistake. why we're seeing an, an increase? Because exactly. obviously, is, many people who have exactly. already been rejected in the UK are now coming to Ireland and trying here instead because because yeah. of the fear of being sent to Rwanda. You're 100 percent correct. So, in other words, the, the very that's a hard uh, policy direction that Britain is going in is directly having an, uh, an effect on the south of Ireland at the moment. And, and yet our government hasn't been able to respond to that in a reasonable way. You know, the, the reality is people often ask me, like, what, how, should we, how should we proceed? And, you know, I make the point, sustainable and manageable is necessary. And the trajectory that the government are currently going is neither sustainable or manageable. Uh, and it's very clear, the evidence is, is, is so obvious on our streets when we see people living in tents uh, in such dire circumstances. You know, and... You know, I, I would just say to people in relation to this, get involved politically, get active on, on this. I, I would ask people to de-escalate tensions uh, in, in relation to 
what happened in Sandwith Street uh, a, a, a number of nights ago. Unacceptable uh, behaviour, yes. Yeah, focus your, your, your energies in political activism and on the actions of this government. Okay, listen, thank you very much indeed. Pat Tobin, leader of AIN2, thank you very much indeed for coming on. And thank joining you very us much. Today. Uh, now, uh, what's happening in County Clare is obviously in the news quite a lot. And according to the Minister for Integration, it's entirely unacceptable for a, ho- a hotel in Inch County Clare that is housing asylum seekers to be blockaded. Now, this all started on Monday when asylum seekers were brought into the local town. And you've got to remember, this is a tiny, tiny little place, uh, Magawana House, House Hotel in Ennis which is being used to house, I believe currently at the moment, 29 asylum seekers. But maybe to give you a bit more information is Parik McMahon, who's head of news and sport at the Clare Echo. And he joins me on the line. Uh, Parik, good afternoon to you. Parik, are you there? Oh, maybe he's not quite there yet. Uh, anyway, Parik, sorry. Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Parik. Uh, Parik, uh, what's happening currently yeah, at the moment? Yeah, yeah, I can't. Oh, we've got a slight delay on the phone lines there i got to come back to that in a second. Maybe we could just do a quick reset on that, actually. It would be great uh, if we could do a quick reset on that. Thank you. Um, the reason I want to talk about this is because you have to understand when you have a small town or a small village that have a limited capacity, be it, you know, they have one shop, they have one GP's office, they have um, maybe, you know, one school, but that school might only consist of one classroom, and you start to bring in many people, refugees, asylum seekers, uh, economic migrants, whatever it happens to be, and you want to give them the best possible start in life. Well, realistically, that's not going to happen, is it? I think we could try and get Padraig back there now. Thank you very much. Um, that's not going to happen because you won't have the resources for them. And towns like that, their problem is, is they feel that they need more information. They need more transparency. And they want to know, before it actually happens, they want to know when these people are coming in. So they can prepare, so that maybe the government can provide another doctor, or maybe the government can provide, you know, a a, a larger classroom or space in the local school or whatever it happens to be for those asylum seekers. But unfortunately, that's not being done at the moment because there's a lack of transparency, a complete lack of transparency. Uh, the number if you want to text us or you want to WhatsApp or you want to get involved, by the way, is 085-100-2255. That's 085-100-2255. Let me go back to Porik if I can. I do apologise. I think I have him now. Porik, are you there? Hi, Ned. Sorry about that. I do apologise. Porik, um, head of news and sport at the Clare Echo. Now, you've been following the story, obviously, since Monday, since it started. So where are we at now? And are the locals still unhappy with the response from government? Yeah, the latest state of play, Nile, is the the locals were, were basically keeping quiet yesterday, um, Wednesday, due to Minister Roderick O'Gorman meeting with Clare TDs and Senators. Just they wanted to kind of absorb what came out of that meeting, and then at nine thirty p.m. last night, they released a statement saying they were very disappointed and let down with with Minister O'Gorman following the meeting, and they've said they're going to continue with their peaceful protest. Um, going forward, um, so indefinitely they're they're going to stay going with with the protests outside. They've the three blockades, um, one at McGowan Cross, one at McGowan Hill, and then one 
outside McGowan House, the, the, the hotel itself, so all access is, is restricted to the hotel as a result of those blockades in, in, in operation. Well, the Taoiseach Labour Agus said that while people's concerns about the housing of refugees should be listened to, the government would stand up to those with racist and extreme views. Now, I did see a few memes going around, um, sadly, on social media. There was a picture of the local residents and the blockade. And uh, we can see them there in the background. If you want to just play that, you'll see the residents in the background and, and and the particular place, which is it's a small enough kind of place. But they're, they're saying that, you know, on this particular meme, it said right wing extremists. They look like lovely people. They just look like normal everyday people with concerns, you know. And then, of course, there was videos put up of the four men leaving with their bags. And I suppose it was put up to gather or garner some element of empathy and sympathy. And where are these men going to go? Probably back to City West in Dublin again. I don't know. But I mean, is it upsetting the locals to be referred to by many people as right wing when they're probably not? They're just concerned citizens. Yeah, no, I'd say they're they're maybe just becoming a bit cautious now and how and how they're dealing with things now. Like even yesterday, the fact that the statement was only released at half nine the way they did things was slightly deliberate in that we know there's a, a well tuned into news program that goes out at nine o'clock on, on RTE so like that was that wasn't by coincidence that they kept back they're kind of maybe just becoming cautious of how they're being portrayed nationally um, and in terms of that as you say that kind of right wing and, and racist element of it which they, they wouldn't be their concerns are genuine they Clare County Council did an inspection of the the property last year to see was it suitable to house Ukrainian mm. families. But is, is it Ukrainian suitable? Refugees. I mean, when I'm looking, well, it didn't, it didn't, yeah, I mean, just to describe again for people who might have missed us talking the other day, I mean, I'm looking at it here on a video screen. Uh, it doesn't look very suitable, and people have said there's no sewage. It doesn't have a fire cert. Does it have all? That? Did we find out? Does it have a fire cert? No, the, it, what the way it is at the minute, Nile is there's that McGowan House, its main hotel, and then there's three holiday homes. We can see site. those, yeah, so we can the, see them. Yeah. The, men, the men that are there at the minute are in the three holiday homes and the hotel isn't in use because that doesn't have a fire cert. Mm-hmm. So the the conditions are a small bit cramped in the three bungalows. Now the asylum seekers themselves will tell you they prefer the, the three holiday homes to what life was like in City West. But it's, if that fire cert, which is rather a government said yesterday, is expected to be granted within two weeks, when that happens, then the original number of 69 is likely to occur. So the, the, I suppose the local resistance or opposition, whatever you want to call it, that's going to be there, I would say, definitely for ne- another two weeks until the issues with the fire start comes to light and what happens next, un- unless there's um, remediation or mediation in the interval. Um, listen to Padder Tobin. We've been talking to him there for the last 20 minutes. And Padder is suggesting, of course, that the Green Party and are, are mainly responsible for this. Roger Gorman, of course, is making all the decisions that he has a vision of the future uh, and that the government are not listening. In other words, the government, for some reason, are deciding to continue with this. I mean, we, we ran a poll ourselves. We got over five and a half thousand votes on Twitter. And 97% of people overwhelmingly believe that the numbers should be capped. They're not all right-wing racists. They're just people who are logically minded. But the government don't seem to be logically minded on this at all. It's just keep do or die, really, isn't it? Yeah, they, they don't seem to be listening. And um, it, this one is particularly interesting in Inch because there's a lot of eyes on it and the government are coming under pressure on it. But with this pressure that's mounting, the government will not want to be seen to relent to the people of Inch. Because if will say there's a victory or whatever you want to call it in inch that the people of the locals kind of get mm. some sort of way to disrupt the initial plan of 69 
then there's nothing to stop it happening whether there's accommodation centres that might come up in Sligo or Westmeath or wherever. Um, so the government are feeling the heat on this one. And as, as government representative and elected members have said to me off the record that they, that there's a lot of eyes on Inge from all over the country where other accommodation centres are, are potentially mooted for. And if Inge gets gets a win, it, it would be very, very damaging for the government. So I would expect they're not going to want to relent on this one. Sadly, and constantly all the time, stopping the conversation by calling people right wing or, you know, these right wing protesters is not the answer. Because as much as I, as we mentioned the other night, there are a lot of right wing protesters. There are a lot of right wing extremists who will set fire to tents and do stupid stuff like that or who call names or, you know, will have banners with racist slogans on them. But generally speaking, the vast majority of people who have an objection or have a concern um, are not right-wing protesters. They're just citizens with a concern. And, and unfortunately, that's just being completely ignored. Yeah, no, that's, that's been completely... Um, or it's just, it's just not suiting maybe a narrative that people want to put out that these are legitimate concerns, you could say, and people just... Mm. It doesn't tie in with what, what they'd like to see. But like, oh, it's so worth understanding as well as if if I wanted to build a property or a dwelling house in, in an inch, I wouldn't get it because of the sewerage system. So like those... There's yep. people there, locals, that their their children won't be able to live an inch because of those infrastructural issues which have come from successive governments haven't invested and the likes of Irish water or whatnot. So uh, that like that's another yeah, there's a humanitarian yeah, well, there is a humanitarian issue as well here. I mean, this is in the middle of nowhere, as you mentioned. You know, there's two little roads up to it. It's five miles from the nearest town. You know, it'll take them an hour to walk to the town and an hour to walk back again. I mean, it's just, it's it's really not you know a good location to put anybody. No, and the asylum seeker himself has an electric scooter, and he said it's not even safe to go out on an electric scooter in the area. I wouldn't it's, imagine um, so. No, get to, to get to McGowan House, it's a it's a slight slip road, and only as he says. Two, two cars can't come against each other on it. One has to stop to give the other movement. But then on the, the road to Kilmaley and Milltown Malbay, which is Ennis, that's the main road then that would lead to the slip road, which leads to McGowan House. There's a very dangerous bridge at Inch, which, again, only one car can pass it, and it's not suitable for people to be walking on. And that's where the men are now walking on to get to Ennis to get to services, which, as I say, is an hour and a half of a walk or an hour of a walk, depending on the pace they're going at. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the lack of services is, is one of the issues as well that's cropping up from, from locals. And that, that just comes back to mind, the lack of consultation on it. You know, yeah. the word from a department men more only came out last Wednesday. Yeah. That, you know, 69 male asylum seekers were going to come in. And then the community had a meeting in the Chameleon on Friday. And then on Monday, inch locals got reassurance from Clare County Council that nothing will happen until the sewerage system is addressed. And that was at approximately 2.50pm on Monday. And then shortly after 6.40 p.m. on Monday, about the 34 asylum seekers arrived at McGowan House. Like so, you can understand in that side why locals would become frustrated, and they haven't Absolutely. been angry in any of their demonstrations. Renton, they've kept peace. No, I've, se- I've seen them. They've been, they've been very peaceful. They've just blocked the road. That's essentially it, and stood yeah. there and be, uh, quite peaceful. They're not right-wing protesters. And this idea that they just keep getting written off and everybody who's a protester gets written off as a right-wing protester is just nuts. Listen, thank you very much indeed. And I appreciate you coming on the air and talking to us today. Thanks, Porik man. McMahon um, from the Clare Echo. Now, let me just go to Jackie Healy-Ray if I can. Jackie, good afternoon to you. 
Good afternoon, Niall, and to all your listeners. Um, rural Ireland, of course, just like Dublin and every other city, is seeing its own little influx of refugees. We're seeing that now in Inchwich. It's a tiny little town. We spoke to Park there a few minutes ago, which is completely unsuitable, and particularly the accommodation is unsuitable. But again, the government and Roderick O'Gorman writing off anybody with concerns as right-wing racists. Uh, that's unacceptable, isn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, yes, it is. To, to answer that bluntly, yes, it is. But I suppose you have to measure people with legitimate concerns and people who are being downright racist. Absolutely. Because because that is happening too, Niall. And like we shouldn't sugarcoat that either. There are people who I would call are taking advantage of this situation for their own agenda. And, and that is very much being peddled. And what's happening then is people who have legitimate concerns and somebody who has legitimate concerns about location uh, and unsuitability of location. Like we talk about uh, that area in Clare, you, as you described, I, I wouldn't be desperately familiar with the area, but, but as you describe as being uh, out in a rural area that doesn't have what I'd call adequate services around it. It barely, has a, barely has a road up to it, for God's sake. Exactly. So you, you, you then obviously have to question the suitability of that uh, for people who are coming here and obviously don't have cars and might need access to, to GPs and all that. And again, the, the increased pressure that be it uh, international protection applicants or um, uh, people fleeing the war in Ukraine, which is still ongoing, and, and we have to acknowledge that too. Um, but I think that we obviously, from the very outset of, we'll say, the, the war in Ukraine, uh, have an obligation to, to do our business. We, we do have an obligation, oh. but if you look at the list per head of population of the amount of people that have moved to Ireland and other yes. countries around I'm, uh, who I'm have get, taken I'm refugees, we're, we're number seven at the top. The UK are right down the bottom yes. with America and Australia. So what yes. I'm saying is we've taken more than our fair share. That might see, I, I certainly yes. don't want that to come and, across as racist. Yes. But I mean, I, and yes, France I, have capped the numbers. Many other countries have capped numbers. Yes. My, my, my father, Deputy Michael Healy Ray, uh, when we had less than 20,000, uh, what I'd call uh, refugees uh, from the Ukraine fleeing the war in Ukraine, uh, when we had less than 20,000, this was a, a, a long time going out at this stage, he called on the government to cap uh, the number of uh, uh, refugees that we can take at 20,000. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't listened to at that time. Uh, he spoke about uh, the increased services, uh, the increase in the in the um, demand for services such as GP care, uh, particularly in places like Killarney, that has seen, uh, and uh, an County Kerry in general, that has seen uh, a massive influx uh, of, of refugees and international protection uh, applicants. And what I would say is that the government too has to look at, when I look at the statistics as to where international protection uh, applicants are coming from, and when you compare it to last year, we, we had from December 21 to December 22, a 415% increase in international protection efforts. Well, well, I, I, I mentioned this to Patatobin earlier on. I remember talking about this on the radio going back about five years ago, saying how concerned yeah. we were and how horrible it was that there were 6,000 people in direct provision. We now have, between, well, yeah. between direct provision and uh, hotel yeah. accommodation, in people seeking international protection, over 20,000. So, I mean, we're now yeah, it, four times it, higher, as you rightly said. We have to have the conversation as to why that is happening. Why well, Roderick so O'Gorman, Roderick O'Gorman is why it's happening. Yes, but, 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 but what I'm saying to you is, 
But like, why are these applicants from the likes of countries like like Georgia, for example? And Georgia is a country uh, where we've had uh, an, a massive increase Albania. in 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 people coming. But if you just use Georgia as an example, a country that is very much and is partnering with the European Union to become a member state, a country that if you go onto the Department of Foreign Affairs website this morning, will tell you it's a perfectly safe place to go to. Well, Albania, so, Albania is another place. There's no war in Albania either, and yet we're seeing yeah, a huge so, increase so, in the amount of people. So, so look, but there's no doubt they're exactly. economic migrants, people looking for a better life. That's all well and good, but Ireland can't be yeah. there, you know, just for everybody to have a better life. In if you want a better life no, in Ireland, I, you come through legitimate yeah. ways. I mean, there's a yeah. visa application and, situation. Yeah. yeah, and and I totally agree that we have to do our part. But our part, as far as I'm concerned, is that we have met our obligations and we've gone well above and beyond. Because if you look at what's happening in a county like Kerry, we've seen a recent report in the Irish Times recently that says that there's over 100 million euros of tourism revenue after being displaced as, 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 a pay, as an amount of this crisis. And that has amounted to over 2,500 jobs in this county being displaced as well. So like, and that's because sad. that's because of the, the abundance of rooms and hotels that are being used currently for Ab- accommodation for refugees. Ab- absolutely. So so again, we we have over uh, I I believe it's 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 well over 120 million euros worth of tourism revenue from the tourism capital of the world, as I would describe it, in County Kerry, yeah. being displaced as long as, as well along with two and a half thousand jobs uh, being displaced, but yet. There's nobody seems to be concerned about that, and and like that to me is, is a concern because it, 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 when you have something, it's very easy to maintain it, but when you lose something, it's very very difficult to get it back. What what, and, what and, do you and say? That, to, what are the, what do you say to the organised protests? I mean, they initially started in East Wall back in November in Dublin when people were moved into a, an old rundown ESP building, and and they were moved in in the dead of night, as people said. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. the argument for people is, look, we have no issue, you know, with women and children and Ukrainian refugees, but we do have an issue when you're moving in. And this is what they're saying. I'm quoting middle-aged, unvetted men. They're the words they use, you know, in the middle of the night. And I suppose you have to respect mm-hmm. those communities and their own fears. And if there's no communication, that's when you're going to get people who are misinformed. That's when you're going to get people who are angry. And and there is no communication. Roderick O'Gorman doesn't feel it's necessary, for whatever reason, to communicate with local communities when buses arrive at one or two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and I agree. And, and that's where I believe in that the likes of legitimate concerns are being infiltrated by people with extremist ideas of, or with people who are what I would describe as racist, because that is happening. And, 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 and is. I won't have a say that it's not, because it is. No, of course and it is. That's where... Yes, and that's where you have people who have a legitimate right to protest. Everybody has a legitimate right to peaceful protest. That's, that's, that's unquestionable. But when you mix that thing with people who are infiltrating that uh, with their extremist ideas and, and coming up with total looney tune. I spoke to Pat earlier on. Yeah, but nobody, nobody uh, I don't believe anybody has the right to stand outside a hotel with a placard or roaring up to immigrants who are looking out the windows, go back home, yes. go back home. Th- that's, yes. that's not going to achieve yes. anything but, because it's but, not, but it's not when, their but, fault. But to talk about the lack of communication, like even, even with local authorities, as a member of, Ker- of Kerry County Council myself, it is very difficult to get information from Kerry County Council simply because they are not being communicated with by the department. If a local authority doesn't even have um, 
uh, being notified of, of we'll say, um, the potential of, of uh, an influx of two, three, four hundred people at a time into into the county that will put an additional strain on services so that they can that they can mm. um, organise with, with local groups. Uh, and, and like we heard in the Dáil yesterday, that there was a declare, uh, um, declare immigrant support group, I think is, the, is their name, who've been operating in the area for 30 years, weren't even made aware that these people were coming. So again... But the government are not going to back down on this Clare situation. Now, it's only a small amount of people, don't get me wrong. Mind you, inches a tiny little place in the first place. So it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. But And the locals there, they're very peaceful people. You can see that from them standing at the side of the road, right? And and the place mm-hmm. is completely unsuitable. Uh, there's raw sewage, which is not safe. We don't even know if it's, there's fire safety certificates. Last year, they deemed it unfit for Ukrainian refugees, but it seems it's okay now for asylum seekers. And, you know, and mm-hmm. the government are just will not stand down on this. It's almost like there's a point of principle going on. Actually, stay there, Jackie, just for a second, because I want to go to Malachi Steenson, who was one of the organisers of the original East Wall protest back in December, uh, a local solicitor. We spoke to Malachi during the week about something, a separate issue. But Malachi, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, now. Uh, Malachi, let's first of all go to Inch and what's happening in County Clare. It's a small situation. You can clearly see these people are not right-wing racists by any stretch of the imagination, yet they're being referred to as right-wing. Um, and the government are not willing to stand down on this. They're motoring ahead. Why do you think they're not listening to people? Unfortunately, they only stand to the people of each. On my own behalf, and on behalf of all of those who are involved in opposing government policy on this issue, are full of support. And you can see that the targeting of them and calling them right-wing it seems to me, I mean, that's what they tried to do with us and it failed. It seems to me that it's right-wing to oppose any government policy. We were right-wing last week for opposing the, the hate speech legislation. We are right-wing for opposing um, open borders and uncontrolled migration. When we said last November that there were people, the majority of people coming in through the ICE-PASS system, in through Dublin Airport and Dublin Port, were coming in without any passports without any documentation. We were called lawyers, we were called far-right conspiracy theorists. Eventually, the government admitted, and the figures showed that we were correct. And in fact, there were bigger numbers um, coming in than we even said. We have now, we said that Ireland does not have the capacity, Ireland does not have the capacity to sustain this level of inward migration. We don't have housing for our own people. We don't have hospitals for our own people. We don't have Schools, for instance. None of the systems in this country work. And you don't solve any problem by increasing the demand for it. That's a simple fact of economics. But would, would you, yeah, but would you, but, yeah, but, would, but Maliki, would you accept, and as Jackie Healy Ray is already, that there are individuals and there are groups of people who are taking advantage of this situation for their own agenda? Oh, yeah, I don't accept that whatsoever. Well, no, we, we, we've seen what happened in Pear Street that are nice. There are. Hold on. There, there are people taking advantage of this process. And let's look at Pier Street. The people who took advantage of Pier Street and, and Sandwich Street were the left and revolutionary well, what, and what, and what about what about those who set fire to tents? What about those who set fire to tents? Let me just deal with that in sequence, right? What happened was those on the left, revolutionary those in action who set up that um, encampment in order to create a shanty town now have taken over a, a building that was being renovated to house um, our own elderly citizens into new apartments. They've taken that over the other day and there's an injunction being applied for in the courts in relation to that. What happened then was that the people 
who were sleeping in those tents were moved out on Friday. They, they left gathered, having come all the way from the, the envoys of Trinity College, by and large, down to protest. Local people gathered to protest against the camp. There was a line of police in between. I, I, I watched that. I watched that. The, the, the woke liberals nearly wet their pants running home to their mammies. But, Ma- Malik, but yeah, but Maliki, now deal with what I said to you. The problem is, is when they then set fire, but when they then set fire to the tents, that doesn't look good for the cause, does Hold it? On. Hold on. There was an agreement then with the Gardaí that the local people would allow those woke liberals who can't tell you what a man or a woman is, never mind tell you how to form government <laughs> policy, left and were escorted away by the Gardaí. And the Gardaí said that the people were then entitled to go in and dismantle the Yeah, but they weren't entitled to set it on fire. Remember, remember what the objective was here. Yeah, you're right? not. You're just not answering that question, are you? Go well, on, on. Yeah, look Hold on. on. Yeah, but, no, I, no, no, no. Yeah, well, so, sorry. Well, hang on. No, well, hang on. You're, you're refu- Well, hang on, Maliki. I'm agreeing with a lot of what you're saying, but you're refusing to accept that there are individuals taking advantage of this who are extreme right wing. Well, well, just let me finish the point in relation to what the objective of the shanty town was. There is a council block there that has boarded up for the past couple of years, which is to be renovated okay. and, and reopened. Now, that should be done automatically for our own people. The intention was to open that up and use it as a squat for people coming into the country. That's what the objective was here. So, you know, let's not be pussyfooting around what's going on in this country. Now, well, 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 hang on. Well, hang on. I have a limited amount of time. Sorry, Jackie, you've been listening to everything that Maliki Steen yeah, has been saying. No, I, and again, again, I'd be like yourself. You'd agree with a lot of things, but it's, it's the last bit there. So, like, if you were to follow that logic to the case of, yeah, or so when the people move out of inch, that they can go in and burn the building. You can do that. Like, and, like, and, like, and, and, like, this idea that, that, it, that it isn't the case that, that, well, that legitimate protest and, legi- and, and legitimate concerns aren't being hijacked. They are being hijacked. Well, hold on, you see. What is this legitimate concern? What is a legitimate concern? Sorry? Define that for me. Define what a legitimate concern is. No, no, hang on a second. You see, this is you, the one you see. There's no answer you, to that. You're refusing No, because, 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 hang on a second. Hang on, hang on, hang on, one at a time. Hang on. Yeah. Okay, so what is a legitimate concern, Jackie? Legitimate concerns about, like I raised there a while ago, when, when we had a massive influx of people into Clarny, which we still do, and that, and that created a massive increase in, uh, in demand for services, such as GP services, such as increase uh, in, in, in capacity in our hospitals. And when you look at the, the lights of the situation where you have legitimate concerns in Clare, where they're in an area where they're not surrounded by the wraparound services that people will require, they're legitimate concerns, along with, and, and again, I raise concerns about the fact that we have a 450% increase in international protection applicants in the space of 12 months. We have to look at why is that happening? And why is it happening? Is, is it, but, 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 all, but also, to be fair to Maliki, is it not a legitimate concern that people come into the country with no identification, could be wanted by Interpol for all we know, no, and no yes, documentation? Yes, is that a legitimate yes, concern? But this, this, this idea that you can have a passport getting on a plane and between there and landing in Dublin that your passport and your documents suddenly get misplaced or that they're, that they're not... Down the toilet, that, that yeah. That is nonsense. 
Yes. Sorry, Malik, what did you say? They're not down the toilet. Where where is the documentation? Well, hang on. Where is the documentation going, Maliki? We know that from last December there was a man convicted received five years in the in the especially in the circuit court for gathering up passports and he was found coming out of the airport with thirteen passports. Right? Those thirteen thirteen people applied through the iPad system from that same plane. Right, so he gathered up them and he was sending them back to France or London. Now, are we, and I've heard ministers on O'Gorman and Harris now talking about these people fleeing from, from um, you know, torture and all of these things. I mean, I suppose it's just as well that Britain is now out of the European Union because the vast majority of those people are coming from London and Manchester and other areas within Britain. So, you know, clearly the UK could not be a member of the European Union if there's people being... Um, subject to torture. And, 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 and you know, in fairness, you know, Jackie, that's a very fair point. You know, a lot of people and a lot of migrants that are coming to Ireland seeking international protection are coming from England because of the fear of being sent to Rwanda. And there's a whole debate around that at the moment. I mean, if that is the case, they don't qualify under the Geneva Convention. So we shouldn't be entertaining it. Yes, yes. But again, but the UN Convention, UN Convention, sorry. But yeah. sure, but sure, no, if Maliki isn't going to let anybody else talk, it's very hard to talk to him if Maliki's going to be caught in. Like, what, what I'm trying to say is, Pada Tobin uh, raised legitimate issues as well the, the other night. When it comes to the processing of this, like, that, that we have one person in, in this state that's waiting four years for a decision, or 14 years, sorry, for a decision on their, on their, on their application for asylum, that's absolutely ludicrous. And, like, the, the, the amount of time that it's taken to process these applications. But, again, I do have concerns in when, when, when the likes of Maliki is, is saying that he won't condemn the, 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 the people who are racist and have these extremist ideas and pushing these extremist agendas, that that won't be, that that won't be condemned because there are those people who are, praying, that's, that's, who are praying on the fears and praying who? on the fears of local communities as well. And they're actually... Look, where's the fears that they're playing on? Who's playing on these fears? Am I, am I wrong? Am I wrong? The reality is, you're talking about, hold on, you're talking about, well, Maliki, he's at. Well, hold on. He simply asked you to condemn the individuals who take advantage of situations like this and will walk around with banners with slogans like "Send them home" or "Shout up on hotel windows." He's asked you to condemn that behaviour. He's not asked you to condemn peaceful protests. Well, you see, peaceful protests and all of that, and the same as legitimate concerns, is all decided by the political and liberal class in this country and what they deem to be legitimate. I mean, the reality is, we talked about people, you know, being 14 years in the process, right? It doesn't matter how long you're in the process here, because nothing happens. If you're rejected for your asylum application, as the vast majority of applicants are rejected, they then go through the whole uh, appeal process through the courts, which takes years, and ultimately they're given humanitarian leave to remain. So the actual asylum system doesn't work, and there is no point in actually having it. I mean, does Jackie accept? that this country, and particularly areas like Kerry and Clare, where we destroyed the tourist industry. No, he does. Well, no, well, no, in fairness, he mentioned that himself. Okay, sorry, sorry, Jackie, go on. You did mention the tourist situation. You did mention it. Of course I mentioned the tourism. And of course, I, I mentioned the very fact that, 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 that we were looking for a cap at 20,000 before, before there was anybody looking for a cap, before there was ever a protest about any of this in this country.
So, I mean, I, 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 I am, uh, I, and I do have, and I do have legitimate questions for, for the process in the way that the, the country is operating. I do believe that we have met our obligations. I think we've gone well and above and beyond. But what I won't accept is the fact that we still have and continue to have people who are racist and people who are using extremist ideas and infiltrating peaceful protests and being downright horrible and racist toward, toward, toward people. And I, I just don't think that's good enough. And I don't think it's good enough, Maliki. I, I don't, I'm not saying that you're one of them. Absolutely not. But I'm saying by not condemning them, that, that, that you're not helping the debate in either. Well, I've asked you to, to tell me who these people are. Now, 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 now Maliki, hang on. He's been very fair. He's agreed with a lot of what you said. And in fairness to the Healy Rays, they did bring up the, the, the conversation of the debate and the dog going back months ago in relation to a cap. So he's asked you equally, then why can't you, you know, if you want to stick to your guns on this and stick to your principles, why can't you condemn those who take advantage of these protests and make racist comments, racist slurs, or indeed set fire to tents? Why can't you do that? Why can't you condemn that, Maliki? I, I thought that we weren't allowed to stick to our guns you're anymore. To sell, you're you're, start, you're starting to sound like a politician now. You just won't answer a bloody question. Hold on. I'm not going, and I have never, through all my years on different radio stations, uh, you know, discussing the North and all of those things, I have never entered into the politics of condemnation of anybody. And Why? Never, because it never well, you won't condemn anybody. Now you're being ridiculous. You, th- there has, to be, there has to be a point where you condemn behaviour. Bad behaviour. I, I see nothing wrong with what happened oh. last Friday. <laughs> those tents were empty. Oh, no, no, just no, stop no, out of that. That's yeah, yeah, those people have been new. Maliki, I watched, I watched an immigrant swing an iron bar at some of the locals. I watched the locals beat him up. I mean, that behaviour on both sides was wrong on every level. Just take that particular immigrant. No, right? no, no, I don't have time to take that particular immigrant. I'm just saying to you, I, I, I don't have time, Maliki. I condemn him and I condemn them in that behaviour, that violent behaviour. You, you, need, to, you need to start condemning what's wrong, Maliki, and then people might listen to what you think is right. Well, actually, hang on, I've, I've loaded people to get to and I've only got five minutes. So, well, hang on, Maliki, hang on, wait there. Jackie, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the air today. Let me go to Bernie. Bernie here in Ireland, or Bernie here on the Nile Boiling Podcast. I'm losing the will to live now. Bernie, hi. Oh, we lost you there. Bernie, are you there? Yes. Sorry, Bernie, go ahead. I mean, Bernie, from a local point of view, uh, living in the west of Ireland, you know, is there genuine concerns about the services that might be available to people? Absolutely. Um, and we were one of the first um, villages to kind of highlight that there was no services mm. five years ago, you know, that we had no services then. We definitely don't have much more, any, any better now, but we still have extra people here now that have been placed here for through the war. And um, it is very tough on, on, on those people and on us because um, they're learning English now. People in the village have gone up and tried to teach them English, which is great, and they're going to try and integrate. But it's a very slow process. And this could all have been as, uh, helped and in, alleviated by the government being more honest and open and transparent and helping both villagers and people coming in and, you know, proper play, things in place for everybody. And, like, there is all the... We've no practice good bus service. Our GP is, you know, he's he's getting on in years. And we have a lot more people here that it's, it's very hard and difficult to understand why we couldn't have, you know, been allowed to have a consultation, allowed to voice our concerns and somebody, somebody from the government to alleviate that. 
And do you feel the government, when you listen to politicians, particularly regarding Inch, for example, um, in Ennis, when you hear the government during the week refer to anybody who is involved in any kind of objection being referred to as right wing, um, when clearly we can see from the videos that we're watching on the screen here that it's not a suitable location, do you believe that that, that, that just basically silences people or, you know, oh, look, you must be right wing? It's very, it's, very, it's very sad to hear our own government calling its own people left or right wing when they're only highlighting concerns. Because let's be honest, we were an island out in the Atlantic for the last 20 years trying to get on with life, trying to build a future for everybody because we came from nothing. And, you know, they're not listening. Now all of a sudden we're the wealthiest country in the world. Like, I don't know where that happened because I certainly am not anywhere better off than I was 20 years ago. Yeah. And a lot of people are feeling like that. And then all these people in are, are, are being put in and we're being told we're racist and to shut up and we're not allowed to have any views or opinions. And yet we grew this country. I worked my arse off to go this country. So did you. So did everybody else. We did our best. We have our own people in our own communities that are wasters. We've always known about them. But I'm just saying, we haven't had, our government has treated its own people, its nation, wrong. It is treating the people who are at the forefront of this now, ourselves, very badly and told, trying to quieten us and telling us we're all have given us all labels. We're not. We're human beings. We're all human beings. And we've all done our best to try and facilitate everything they've asked. But this is not right, labelling your own nation. Okay. This is wrong. Okay, well, stay there. Let me just go to Connor as well. Connor, uh, you're on the Nile Boyden podcast. How are you doing, Connor? Oh, grand. Connor, you've listened to Maliki, who refuses for whatever reason to condemn those. Now, and everybody's, I know everybody that's a protester is not a right wing racist by any stretch of the imagination, but he won't even condemn those that are right wing racist. Anyway, I'll come back to Maliki in a second. But Connor, I mean, are the government just ignoring people? And Bernie feels like she's just been abandoned as a citizen and her concerns are being ignored. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But is. Is the Irish government really in charge of this, though? In, in what respect? Like, like uh, ultimately, are we not part of a collective West? Well, yes, part of Europe, US, yeah. Uh, no, no, a kind of US, US hegemony. You know, did, did we not sign up to this under kind of our... our uh, you know, being part of the EU, even our own country as... As Bernie was saying there, and then 20 years ago it wasn't like this, but unfortunately, I know between them 20 years, 2011, with the IMF agreement, yeah, we did sell off our, well, we can, we our can country, s- basically. Well, okay, well, you can say yeah, we sold our souls for seven pieces of silver, but realistically, we could turn around, and the government will claim, by the way, they can't. I don't know the legalities of it in relation to Europe, but I'm absolutely sure because France have done it already and many other countries have restricted the amount of asylum seekers or refugees that are coming into their country. So we're quite capable of it, but there isn't a will to do it. No, but France France basically still have have plenty commodities of their imperialist uh, activities all around Africa. We don't have commodities. We're heavily dependent on on US investment, so we have to roll in with with the US basically. Mm. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, uh, you know uh, all these all these asylum seekers, all these single single age men. I mean, and you have to go through where they're from. I'm hearing like you know, it's fair enough, uh, fair enough. Ukraine 
and accept new refugees from Ukraine because the war and justification, there's good justification yeah, of for course, it. Syria, there's a war, there was a war in Syria too. So, Syria, yep. Afghanistan, the Horn of Africa, and Iraq. Yeah, but there's no war in Georgia mm. or Albania. There is. Or London. Georgia, or, or London, for that matter, yes. No, no. Unfortunately, though, like, you know, you have to delve more into this. But we, we, we don't well, we don't have time to delve into it that deeply today, but there is no war in Georgia and Albania. But Maliki, just in relation to what Bernie is saying there, I mean, she she's on the same side as you, but she clearly has a much more measured approach and a concern in the way she's talking about it. And I'm not having a pop at you, but Maliki, you know, if you come out and condemn what's wrong and then condone what you believe is right, people are much more likely to listen. Well, you see, Niall, that's where you're wrong because oh. people are in ever-increasing numbers listening to us. When we started this in East Wall last November, nobody was prepared to talk about this. Now it is the only issue that's being talked about. And just but, but, yeah, but, it, but hang on, hang on. But it's not being talked about. It's not being talked about. You've government ministers on the radio and in the media every single day telling you that you're wrong. That's all they're doing. They're not allowing your side on. I do. And the, the more of that, Niall, that they do... And remember, you know, nobody from, say, my side of the fence on this issue has been on any of the mainstream broadcasters. Yet they have every other contact and every, from every woke organization paid by the, st the state on to condemn us, right? So it has not, they, they won't have a balanced debate because they know that the people support us. The simple fact is now that this country cannot sustain the increased migration that's coming in. And the simple answer to that is to now close the borders. Now, you asked about where they compelled to do this. The, the migration pact and the, the open borders was an opt-in, which the Irish government opted into. And we were, if you go back to the Lisbon referendum, we were guaranteed all of these things. We were guaranteed the triple lock, for instance, in relation to, to wars. And now we have them every day trying to undo that. So the will of the people means nothing to the political and economic, political and liberal. But, but surely, surely somebody. Well, well, hang on. Well, no, hang on. I don't have much time. Surely somebody like Bernie, who says it so passionately that she worked. I know she worked as a nurse all her life in this country, and she's genuinely just concerned about services. She has no objection to individuals. She doesn't even care where they're from. She all she's concerned about is is an influx of people using services that just aren't available. We have no objection to individuals. Our opposition is to the immigration policy that has been pursued by not just this government, but previous governments. The total breakdown and failure of the asylum system to work, this total inadequate services in this country, whether it be housing, health, Okay, and who, who do you blame? I've got, two, I've got two minutes here. Who do you, well, who do you, who do you blame? Who do you blame? Well, is, is there individual ministers within the government? Because we heard Leo Varadka only a month ago suggesting he agreed with you almost because he was saying there was no more room at the inn. But yet, Roderick O'Gorman is motoring on with a vision for the future. Leo Varadkar. Don't go there because <laughs> what you say, go on. Right. You don't agree with him, fair enough. We have a political class who have, and, and, and every minister has cabinet responsibility, so they're all responsible. But in reality, we don't have, in the Parliament in Ireland, an opposition. Okay, but sorry, just very quickly. Bernie, who do you blame? Uh, do you blame individual ministers? Do you blame the, the government in a, as a whole? Do you believe that politicians, even your local politicians, are afraid to say anything in case their class is right-wing racist? 
Yes, I do. I really do. I just stopped. They have to drop this right and left wing. We are the concerned people of this country. We are the nation that have gone along with all the, the stories they've told us. And I, we have to stop. There is stories, everyone, they're lying. And there's a lot of lies out there. And it needs clarification. And we need to see reality hit. Like, you know, a proper system in place for people. If you're coming here, have the proper paperwork, have the proper things. Like we have to, anyone else coming from anywhere else in the world all has to have it. Why are these people being allowed through a system that is flawed and faulty and it's not assisting in any way, shape or form for us as the people? Just finally, let me just go to Maureen in West Cork because Maureen, I know you wanted to say something on this. Maureen, go ahead. You're on the Nile Boylan podcast. Uh, good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Uh, Maureen, uh, you yeah. can see what's happening around the country. It's all over the news now, of course. Yeah. And everywhere it seems to be happening that people will object. Yes, of course. I would too. Okay. Um, on, on what grounds would you be objecting? I'd, I don't want, Look, Niall, I'd put it this way. All these, all these <clears throat> I call them military-age men. That's what they are. They're all young men. They're entering this country by the bucket load. <laughs> They're supposed to be getting off aircraft with no... I, documentation, right? Well then, they should be stopped, put in a holding room, and sent back to the country they left on that plane. And what about uh, these men that you talk about? What if they're genuinely coming from a country where genuinely there's a war, or genuinely their life is in danger? Or but maybe, most of them aren't. But, but, but okay, well, 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 we need to find that out. You can't just turn around and send everybody back or say at Dublin Airport, we're going to put you here in a hotel beside Dublin Airport and tomorrow morning yeah, you're straight on, and you're straight on a plane. Surely we should look into their background and find out if they're telling yeah. the truth. How many, how many people in this country now? How many people in this country now went through the asylum process? They were turned down. They went through it again and again and again and again, taxpayer money. Once was enough. That's it. Gone, you're not accepted I, well, I, for whatever I, I, I don't, I don't disagree here. with you that the system is broken and I don't disagree with Maliki. It is broken, yeah. Of course it is. And, and the it idea that you can appeal and appeal and appeal, uh, you know, on free legal aid and keep solicitors and barristers, you know, in nice fancy houses is beyond me, right? And yes, if people, you know, are arriving with no documentation, I, I believe, just like you, we should look into it deeply. And, you know, in other countries in the world, what would happen in that situation is you would be put into a holding area until they find out who you are and find out if you're legitimate, if you're genuinely coming from a war-torn country or your life is genuinely in danger or there's a risk to you before they would send you back. But we're not doing that. We're just handing yeah, somebody a 25-euro meal voucher in a tent. Yeah, but what's yeah that's now not right. They're, they're still bringing them in, right? There is no place for them to stay. There is no room. But still, they're going to insist on bringing hundreds more in here. What they're creating now is shanty towns. Shanty towns have no place in this country. And even in the town, I mean, we have some of them here. And I'm seeing more of them. And I tell you something. A shanty town goes up anywhere near my town or outside it. I'll rip it down as well. I don't care anymore at this stage. I've had enough. Well, I don't condone violence or I don't condone bad behaviour and I'm sure Maureen you're a good citizen and you've never been in trouble I am in your a good life. citizen I'm a good citizen a concerned citizen a concerned mother and grandmother how do you how do you feel well how do you feel when, when Michal Martin refers to people you know who object or who protest as right wing he's talking a load of nonsense he's not even about a traitor anyway and they're the <laughs> same traitors Niall the whole lot of them who stand at statues of dead patriots and pretend that they care they don't give a rat's ass about us they're hypocrites and liars, the whole lot. I liken them to the Vichy government who collaborated with the Germans. That's exactly so you, what So are. you don't believe your government care about you? They don't care about us. No, they don't. They don't give a rat's ass. Bernie, do you... Do, do you I mean, I, I hate to hear citizens say this. Do you believe the Irish government care about you? 
No, they don't. And absolutely don't. They have no care and they never did. They have gone down the road now of completely turning on us as are a they nation. S- that so will you believe they're just self-serving? Yeah, they are. And it's really sad. This is not what my family and my generation before me all went, went through to make this country something proud to be a part of for my grandchildren and my children. And, and I, want, I want to establish, you don't disagree with diversity and you don't disagree with the idea that many people come here for a better life and many people have a lot of to add to the country as well. Yeah, if they can add to the country and they're going to improve it and they want to make a genuine contribution to this country, that's fine and they are willing to take, to learn our culture as well as their own and, and kind of adapt, adapt ours. But no, I mean, it's really sad. I mean, it is sad to walk down the main streets of Galway and not hear an Irish accent anymore. And that's the, the fact of today. All right, listen, thank you, both of you. Thank you very much indeed, Maureen. I appreciate your story. Okay. It was a bit short, Maureen, but I was a bit tight for time there. And thank you very okay, much indeed, nice. Bernie. Um, some of the texts, by the way, comments, by the way, coming in. Why is it not being addressed that there is talk about a lot of these people being given early release from prison in Albania and Georgia? Uh, somebody else says about Maliki. Fair play. Uh, these people like Niall Boylan and Healy Ray don't live in these areas that are populated with makeshift tent cities. They don't have to walk down these streets with their children in hand or in prams being abused and vulgar things said to them. And the Irish git says Healy Ray is profiting from the movement of which people, uh, which is state-sponsored and glorified human trafficking. Well, just because his family's involved in politics, a very pop- popular family, by the way, involved in politics, because they get a lot done for the local community. Uh, Before we finish today, just to mention, in conclusion, the refugee crisis in Ireland presents a complex situation that must be viewed from both humanistic and practical practical perspectives. And I, I think it's really important that we understand it. I think it's really, really important that we don't all turn into mad right wing racists or something like that, that we sit somewhere in the centre. I would consider myself to lean slightly to the right, be conservative, but I do understand that there are human beings who need help. And I don't believe we should ever deny those human beings help if they need it. But I also agree with most of the callers today that people have taken advantage of Ireland and our kindness. We are regarded around the world as one of the most charitable nations per head of population in the whole world. We feel sorry for people. And and rightly so in most cases. But we are being taken advantage of. I won't disagree with Maliki that many of the individuals coming to this country are not coming from countries um, that they're claiming they're coming from. Um, a lot of them are coming from England. Um, they've been in England for years, but they have been re- rejected and refused asylum in the UK. So they'll come to Ireland for fear they might be sent to Rwanda because, of course, that has been the suggestion in the UK. When we look at the United Kingdom, for example, in relation to even Ukrainian refugees, we have taken more per head of population than they have. They've taken very little, actually, in fact. They've capped numbers. Some people believe that's wrong. Some people believe it's right. But there's a limit to what we can do as people. There's a limit to what we can do as a country. We have a limited capacity. We have a limited amount of people. And we are in the middle of a housing crisis in this country already before even all this started. And to suggest during a housing crisis you can accommodate another 100,000 people when you can't accommodate the individuals who live here is wrong. Last year we had 12,000 people in temporary accommodation in this country who were classed as homeless. We then decided to add 100,000 to that list. And Jackie Healy Ray is right in relation to tourism. When you see that approximately 40% of the occupancy of hotels at the moment is refugees or asylum seekers, that is going to greatly damage our tourism industry. During the summer, of course, we will see what happens in relation to that when hotels don't have room for tourists who spend so much money in this country. So all I will ask people to do is 
Object if you want to object. That's what you should do, and that's your right. Protest if you want to protest. It is your right under the constitution of this country to protest. Don't accept that you're being classed as right-wing just because you happen to say that. But please, if you are engaging in protest, do it peacefully and have some level of dignity. Getting involved in shouting racist slurs or setting tents on fire doesn't serve a purpose. All it does is quite the opposite, actually. It turns people against your place. So, we'll join you again tomorrow at 12 o'clock. Until then, have a great day. And don't forget, by the way, go to the website, www.nileboylan.com. If you want to get a download of today's show, be it on video or audio. If you want to grab the audio, go to all the usual outlets, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere else. And keep an eye on Twitter and Facebook for updates, where we will post, of course, links to all the shows. Have a nice weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Don't forget, we're every Monday to Thursday at 12 o'clock. Until then, have a great day. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. 